Hello and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello everybody, I'm Brett Stewart. Joining me for Around the World, Nicole Davis, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. I watched this movie two and a half times, and I still feel like it wasn't enough times in the past week to be ready for this, but give it a shot. Right on. Very good. And David Luzader, how are you? Hello. I'm good. Good. <laughs> there, there's not really a quippy intro for this movie, necessarily. You usually have a good one, but it's harder on this one. Yeah. It was your pick, though. It was your pick was. for Around the World. A reminder to the audience that is a film that is uh, not you know, made in, in the U.S. It has to be an international film of some kind. And before we announce what David's pick was, I'd like to go ahead and announce what next week's movie is so you can follow along. It's You Did This To Us Week. A reminder, we now have a new fancy website up. It's literally youdidthistous.com, where you get to vote every single time this happens. Now, voting is still occurring while we're recording this. Uh, Spice World, The Proposal, and Yoga Hosers are in a three-way tie. So no matter what, it's going to suck for us. It's going to be great for you. That's the whole point of you did this to us. But by the time this is reaching your dulcet tones and future me in the editing box tells you what we are watching, uh, the voting will have closed. Meaning, of course, you can follow you did you did this to us.com and our social media if you'd like to go ahead and vote for next time around. It's still anyone's game, though. We open this up today and we already have this three way tie. So who knows? But future me will tell you what we're watching right now. Actually, it's my dulcet tones, and we will be talking about The Proposal. Ryan Reynolds, Sandra Bullock, romantic comedy about white people problems! Except one of the characters is half Tlingit, but she's played by Betty White, so I don't think so! Anyway, come join us when we talk about it next time. Probably Spice World. I don't know. I'm discussing. <laughs> Alrighty, that is what we are going to be watching. For You Did This To Us, a reminder, join us on youdidthistous.com. But this week, we watched Parasite. came out in 2019. A poor family schemed to become employed by a wealthy family and infiltrate their household by posing as unrelated, highly qualified individuals. But an unforeseen discovery threatens to undo their entire plan. David, Parasite. Yes. Uh, why? I, what a weird question. Why did you pick for, pick it for around the world? Well, it's in Korean. It, this movie is wonderful. But tell us why you like Parasite and why you wanted to bring it to the uh, table. Actually, I have one sub question to that, which is why why bring it in around the world rather than future classics? Uh, well, I mean, it would have fit very easily into both. But just a peek behind the curtain. I had forgotten that I had to do an around the world pick <laughs> and uh, was kind of scrambling of, oh man, what are some, what, I was like any foreign film that came to mind yeah. uh, that I thought would be good for the podcast. And we've all been course, there. <laughs> yeah. Parasite was like, well, yeah, Parasite. And like, I mean, we could talk about it as a future classic. I think we're going to talk about it as a future classic. I don't think there's much dispute about whether or not this is going to be something that will be considered a a classic film kind of it's one of these movies that like even before it's out people were like oh yeah we're gonna be talking about this one for a while 
Yeah. I mean, it's, we'll get into it. It's such a great film. Um, I saw it in theaters and loved every second of it and bought it on Blu-ray. And then Criterion Collection went on sale. And I was like, and this was seriously like, I think two days before they went on sale had arrived in my mailbox. And I was like, well, I'm buying it again right now because I need that Criterion (laughs) Collection of this movie. And don't regret it one iota. No, the Criterion version is the one I watched over at Brian's because I got that for him for Christmas, I think. And it's got so many goodies Mm -hmm. on it, including a black and white version of the film. Yeah, which I have not watched yet. Which I didn't get a chance to watch. Now, the black and white version is actually, he went through with an artist and, and, you know, did it frame by frame rather than just the the process where they just wash it all out in one fell swoop and editing. So it is one of those painstaking processes where he really wanted to put attention to detail to make it black and white. Well, you have to because color is doing some work in this movie. There's, oh, yeah. you know, meaning to the uses of color here. Mm-hmm. So when that gets taken away, they had to find some other way to show what they were trying to symbolize with the color. Right. And and also, as long as we're on the topic of the Criterion Collection, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the films, if not the film, most quickly added. Like, <laughs> yeah. If I'm not mistaken, they added this like months after it won Best Picture. So it was it was very quick. I thought like Grand Budapest Hotel was quick, and that was yeah. like two years after yeah. the movie had been released. Well, Criterion were down there taking notes going, Wes Anderson's making a new movie? Okay, we're, we'll get ready. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Now, 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 I'm sure that's what they'll do in the future with Bong Joon-ho. And, and I kind of want to start with him because we visited him on the show in a lost episode. I feel like if, you, if you've done hundreds of episodes like we have, just like any other podcast, there are lost episodes, the ones where recording goes awry or something gets finicky, and we did the host at one point. And, you know, I've seen some of his movies since then, you know, Snowpiercer and Okja and Memories of a Murderer or Memories of Murder? It's Memories of, of Murder, yeah. Memories of Murder. Yeah. I think Memories of Murder is actually before the host. Yes. But in any case, point being is... The host was my introduction proper to him, and then you guys turned me on to him, and then I went and watched all these other movies, and Okja was just weird and lovely, and and then Snowpiercer's awesome, and, and then there's this, and this feels like a masterwork and a culmination of such an incredible talent reaching his peak potential in one film, and it's just a perfect film in that regard for me. This is his masterwork. Yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm excited so far, right? I, yeah, I'm excited because he's not. I'm not. I don't know his age right at the top of my head here, um, but he's not terribly old. Uh, he is 52, so you know he's still got at least a couple decades of filmmaking left in him. And I, I don't want to say it's all. You know, it's been a solid, complete trajectory of a rise. I think you know there's been a little bit of up and down, but in the general, it's all been very positive. And uh, if, like, you know, if he's got this, where are we going next? I'm in. Whatever, just whatever it is, I will see it. Animation. Yeah, great. I'm in. Animation is his next thing. Perfect. I would love it. So I, I just wanted to call it out at the top because we had talked about the host before. And, and you know, obviously no one will ever hear that. But we, we praised it for, for an hour and a half because... It is an amazing movie, and it is absolutely insane. But but yeah, I, I just wanted to call out just such a departure as you reach the masterwork that is Parasite. I did not get a chance to see it in theaters, and I'm sad for that. But having seen it a couple times since, it's it's one of those films like... I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. It's the first 
proper foreign language film to win Best Picture. You can count the artist because it's like technically in French, but it wasn't actually a French film. It's listed as the only film to ever win Best Picture that was also nominated for Best Foreign Picture. Okay. So Life is Beautiful didn't win? I don't believe so. Okay. No, it's just the lead actor in that. Yeah. So this is the first one to be nominated in both of those categories and win Best Picture. It won both those categories, I think. It did. It did. In fact, if you were to talk about something that came close in recent years, probably Roma would be Mm -hmm. close, but Roma only won Best Foreign Picture. Uh, So I I do just want to call out the top of the show that like, I I know that there's so much great stuff coming out of Korea and, and, you know, Eastern Asia, but this kind of put some of that on the map for me at the time a couple of years ago. And I think that did it for a lot of people. I was like, oh, they, you know, this is really cool stuff that I don't watch a lot of. And, and, and Bong Joon-ho kind of opened that door for me a little bit. There is a whole, I mean, South Korea is having uh, a moment in, <laughs> in the zeitgeist. And there's a name for yeah. it that I, I'm trying to pull BTS. up. BTS. It's not, no. <laughs> it's not just BTS. <laughs> I thought I heard it called uh, the Korean New Wave, but I'm not sure. I think I think it might be. I, I, there's yeah. I think I'm trying to think of the Korean word. But I think the Korean New Wave is pretty much it. But like K dramas are huge right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes, BTS. Uh, I'm going to go see a K-pop concert next month, so I awesome. have nothing to say there. It's my second one. Are you seeing a random assortment of letters, or is it an actual word or two? Not twice. It's. The name is twice. Shout out to all my fellow onces out there. Um, This movie, Squid Game. Yeah, like South Korea is just, here's our culture. And the world is like, yes, please. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah. Let me just eat that up. No, it certainly is. And even, you know, this last weekend was Record Store Day. And it was the first Record Store Day. First of all, the first Record Store Day I've been in person in three years. So that was fun to kind of get to return to that. um, Or two years. But... It was interesting to see when they lay out all the new releases that there were several South Korean bands that are, you know, really appealing to, to people that are also picking up their classic Record Store Day releases, their Nick Cave re-releases and <laughs> all that sort of thing are also picking up not just BTS, but a pretty broad spectrum of Korean music. So so you're right. There is kind of that wave coming in. And at least for, for someone like me that wasn't predisposed to it, I remember this movie, especially after being introduced to the host by you guys kind of putting that on my on my map. Uh, but let's get into some of our discussion topics. We have a great many of them. The desire to want to make an honest living against the reality of your situation. Man, isn't that the meat of this movie? Uh, <laughs> I, I was thinking, um, so that's a th- one I put in. I was thinking specifically the sun. The sun mm-hmm. um, stood out to me the most uh, in that regard this time around. He wants to do right, right? Like he wants to... To get it right, but all of his decisions just leave them lead them further down the rabbit hole. Oh, the son is a terrible screw up, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. applied to university four times and presumably mm-hmm. not gotten in yet. Well, he took the exam, so he didn't even like score. Yeah, well enough to get in. Yeah. So there's that, and it's just that he's he's the one who makes. Well, he and his dad make a lot of mistakes, but he's the one who makes the critical mistakes. He's the one who trips on the stairway when they make the discovery down in the sub-basement. Twice? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, like you think the first time you were on these stairs, you would have learned? Nope. No, no. He's very, he was very good with people, but he's not very good with the actual 
planning. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yes. He just, he very much, uh, and that just the part where he, when he had the paper and he was like, you know, this, I just printed it out early. Um, I'm really going to be going next year. Like you just really kind of felt that earnestness from him. Mm-hmm. Like he wants to go to college. He wants to to do this right. Uh, you know, he tries to get that part-time job at the, like at the pizza place. Uh, but then, you know, when it comes down to it and Hey, here's a way, cause this is the way they were raised. Well, here's a way for us to to get money because the whole system's against us. Right. Just couldn't resist himself. Well, I mean, he gets the job as a tutor almost, honestly. Right. Yeah, it was close. <laughs> you know, he fakes his credentials, <laughs> but he actually does seem... Competent. ...like a good teacher, at least yeah. in the initial session with mom watching. You know, he really... He, you can Before see... Before they start making yeah, out. <laughs> you can see yeah. he has the... Before he immediately stabs his friend I in the know. back. You can, but you can see that he has the capability to do this job properly and well. Yeah. And it's just he was lacking the diploma, but otherwise he would have been able to do the job and he would have been paid for the work he was doing. I love how she's like, oh, I was going to give you the previous tutor's rate, but I put in a little bump for inflation. And he's just like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and she had actually taken some money out. Yeah. 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 The dynamics of, oh, well, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk more about um, the... Uh, I can't remember the name of the mom of the rich family. She is such a fascinating character. You, I don't think you ever hear her actual name. It's um, yeah, they might not. Yeah, Yo Jung Cho. They say it though. They they call her they call her Hygen. Or no, sorry, Young Kyo is her. Yeah, her yeah. Given Young-kyo name. Is her name. Oh, okay, I understood. So, no, they call her uh, Madam. You know, the equivalent of Madame. Yeah, right. Oh, I so that's interesting. Her like name in the movie is her real name. So I think like yeah, I don't think it's ever spoken in the film. She is. Oh, just, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay, interesting. You know, yeah, and, and and obviously you know we, when we meet this family, you know um, when we meet uh, what is the family's last name? Like the 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 rich family are the Parks. The poor family are the Kims. The Kims, correct. Okay, so when we meet the Kims, they're they're very much. It's the start of the lower and upper metaphors, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they live in a, a partial basement, yep. you know, that is quite literally like, t- at least to me, the epitome of like socioeconomic purgatory. <laughs> like it's it's a place that wants to be more than a basement because you can see the street from it and it has windows, yeah. but it, it's still a basement, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and and that's obviously very intentional on Punk Ho's part. Mm-hmm. One of us grew up in a semi-basement as a kid. I lived in a, they they just called it a basement apartment, yeah. but like the window, mm. the bottom of the windows were about four inches above the ground. So from the living room, we had a great view of the parking lot immediately in front of the apartments. <laughs> and then from my bedroom, we had a, a view of this very tiny, tiny side yard, like this, you know, four foot by 15 yeah. foot strip of grass. And that was about it in terms of the view we got from the windows. But it's always damp. There are always bugs. It always smells a little funny, especially if you have carpet. The free fumigation. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, like... Literally, literally things are getting fumigated outside, and, and Mr. Kim says, no, no, just like keep the windows open. Like, free fumigation. Let it yeah. in. Yeah. And I mean, the flood part, especially, you know, the water always trickles oh, yeah. down. And I remember yeah. once, it was only a three-story building, but the apartment on the top floor had a kitchen fire, and the fire department poured tons of water on it. And it all came down through the walls and collected on the basement floor. So we couldn't, our apartment was not livable for yeah. about a week while that got cleaned up. And meanwhile, Mrs. Park is saying, oh, goodness, we really needed the rain. It was just one. It got rid of all the pollution. <laughs> it got rid of all the pollution. <laughs> it's really unfortunate our camp out got rained out. But, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, a blessing in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> Blessing in disguise. I, I remember the first time I saw this movie, I'm like, is he going to crash that car? Is Mr. Kim just going to take them <laughs> off a bridge? <laughs> he thinks about yeah, it. You Mr. Can see Mr. It. Kim done with this shit. Yeah. 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 Song Kang Ho has this. He's got this such. This thousand yard stare. It's a weird combination of subtle, but also really expressive at the same time. Like he conveys yeah. so much with just the tiniest little changes in his face mm -hmm. you know just bringing his eyebrows down just a tiny bit or tightening his mouth just a little bit or one cheek quirks up if something's kind of amusing but he's trying to hide it you know he he does this vacant look so well mm -hmm. that vacant usually if you say like oh that actor is so vacant that's like bad acting but the way that he does it you can still tell like there's a lot going on in that mind mm -hmm. but it's just like there's just a slate expression on his face oh he's broken you know after the, the the flood he is so broken and yeah they they do this i i assume it's largely makeup but they do this great job of of just him getting increasingly flushed and his face just gets redder and redder and redder the more uncomfortable or upset or frustrated he is. And there's there's times where it's anger, right? Like toward the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And then there's times where you you God, you really you feel it. Like one of the most emotional scenes in this movie to me is when all of the Kims are hiding underneath the coffee table in the living room and the parks are just talking about that poor person's smell. Mm -hmm. The subway smell. And it's just so heartbreaking and it just stabs you no pun intended you know <laughs> right in the heart yeah and his daughter ki jung is like looking at him out of the corner of her eyes and she's making this face like oh god poor dad <laughs> yeah oh just, he's not gonna take this well no i just yeah i i i feel for mr for mr kim the most uh throughout this movie ah, I, I mean so like i feel for him but he's also you know it, He's a little bit of a skis. Uh, <laughs> little, he's, a, he's a con man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's not that good at it. <laughs> no, he's no. very not good at it. But he's trying to, you know, he's all these ambitions, but is unable to carry through with them. And like, he's always wanting to kind of like cut corners. Right. You know, the scene where the, the, the guy who's in the basement that they discover is talking about like, oh yeah, and that one shop fell through, whatever, and it cuts to him, and he's like, oh man, that's me. <laughs> that's I'm hearing someone describe yeah. my life, but with zero reflectiveness of I gotta do better. And it's just like, ah oh, yeah, 
that's my life. Right. Which is on brand for a parent that, that might have a son that, you know, just keeps not getting into college and not fi- and is in totally wayward, right? The, like the son is as wayward as the father in some ways in this movie. Yeah. Right. But it's the, the father is sort of, he's unfortunately the model for the son. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he keeps messing up, you know, when they're folding pizza boxes. The girl says, you know, a quarter of these are, are bent wrong and they're not usable. And the mom kind of turns and gives a side look to the dad because they're yeah. all his boxes. I love how that's conveyed. <laughs> you know, you know, yep. they're his without right. a word. And when even when they're getting rid of the drunk outside their window, you know, the second time when they're both he and his son are feeling confident enough to go like throw water on the drunk guy who's peeing outside their window again. You know, the dad comes out with this giant bucket of water and throws it and gets it almost entirely on his son instead of the drunk guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's the one who comes closest to crossing the line in the car yes. with the rich dad. And, and I want to talk about that because, you know, Mr. Park is uncomfortably focused on, on whether or not his his help crosses the line. And, and you know, the line is never explicitly described by him but it's very much but, but you know the line yeah 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 it's it's people who get a little bit too chummy with him get too personal with him cross yeah. that line of what they should and shouldn't say to him and and just just the way that he talks about it in the film is just so dehumanizing to the people that work for him oh, yeah. he wants his employees to know their place right right so you know i mean this whole movie is quite literally up and down stairs of class, right? Mm. It's the Downton Abbey of Korea. Or, you know, the upstairs, um, downstairs of Korea. There's this older television series that came out of England in like the 70s called Upstairs, Downstairs. It's literally about... Wait, is there really? Yeah. Because uh, one time yeah. in a uh, in a set, uh, an improv set, I, we were making some references to uh to downton abbey i never seen it but i just called it a real upstairs downstairs situation there you go well, th- uh, now you're validated <laughs> yeah there thank you and then sesame yeah, street yeah, but, but, did a parody where crover is saying now i am going up the stairs and now i am going down the stairs now i'm going up the stairs now i'm going down the stairs. <laughs> i'm just getting progressively more tired yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah just 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 how just how focused mr park is on making sure that that he feels comfortable that they know their place mm-hmm. like it's really for him more than it's for them yeah it's just he's so just upsetting and disturbing in this movie when he's talking about you know they think that the driver has been having sex in the car and did you get the feeling that he would have been okay with it if the driver had stuck to the front seat Oh, no, yeah. absolutely. He Because he basically says that. He's like, you know, if he'd done it in his own, in his, in his seat, that would have been fine. But like in the back of the car where I sit, well, I oh, sit, oh yes. no, <laughs> that's not okay. Even though it turns him on tremendously to think about somebody having sex in the back of his car. Well, he wants to do speaking it later. Of that scene, speaking of that scene, what what is what is her response to him where he's like, where are the panties? And she's like, buy me drugs. <laughs> she's oh, trying to role my, play. My f- <laughs> I know. Oh, I, I know. thought she actually wanted drugs. Uh, <laughs> that was one of my favorite exchanges in the movie, to be yeah. perfectly honest. Like some of the best dialogue in the film oh, yeah. right there. Because yeah. that is like, that is the weird stuff rich dude would be into absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. the more straight-laced 
presenting to the outside world, the more really weird stuff they can be into at home. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although, you know, fantasizing that you're having sex in a car is not that out there. <laughs> it's pretty no. low on the priority list. No, this isn't exactly Fifty Shades. It's like um, a tiny sprinkle of cinnamon on top of the vanilla, you know? <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, Nicole, you put in our docket that, you know, divisions among gender lines in both families in this film. The males are more perceptive in the wealthy family, but the women are more perceptive in the poor family. I mean, it's, I, mean I, I think it's almost a little bit of a stretch to call Mr. Park perceptive, but he certainly wants to believe he is and, and insistent that his wife thinks he is. I think he, I think he's just apathetic. He has, he has big blind spots. Also, not home yeah. uh, a lot of the time. Yeah, he's also yeah. not home a lot. I think he just has, like, he, as we kind of talked about it already, his, like, view of people and their place in the world. And as long as everybody is, quote unquote, in their place, he doesn't care. Right. Uh, yeah, I think, I think he's, he's somebody that could be trouble for the family. But as long as they are doing whatever they're supposed to be doing, he's not going to look at them twice. Right. I find it interesting that that, that minute, like, it's established early in the movie when Min says that, you know, um, Mrs. Park is like a a very simple woman. Mm-hmm. And, and then that's repeated several times throughout. And she's gullible, yes. sure. She's incredibly naive. Yeah, she's naive mm-hmm. and gullible in in the way that, you know rich housewives are want to be, I suppose. But but I don't know if she necessarily strikes me as as stupid as they make her seem at the beginning of the movie. Well, Brett, you just angered all of the rich housewives that listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I'm sorry. turned it off. Uh, I, I'm sticking up for you, rich house. I, am I? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know that she's necessarily dumb. She's just, again, living in her own bubble. Right. right. And, like, and like, she is... There's this interesting dialogue in in that central scene, and, and we'll talk about that because I know it's in here as its own discussion piece. But when the Kim family is you know getting drunk in the Parks living room, you know after the Parks have gone out camping, trying to camp, Mrs. Kim makes a statement about how yeah I'd be really nice too, right? Like if I had this much money, I'd be nicer than her, right? After Mr. Kim is kind of defending her and being like, yeah, she's just really nice, and like she is really nice, but it doesn't cost her anything to be really nice. Exactly. Right. Yeah, he says she's she's rich, but she's super nice. You know, like yeah. like those two shouldn't go together. And the mother's like, no, 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 she's nice because she's rich. If I had all this money, I'd be nice too, even nicer. Yeah, there, there's a little bit there. Like, I love that her excuse is like, I don't have money. That's why I'm, I'm kind of mean. She immediately after she says that she shoves a dog <laughs> just to like emphasize the point. <laughs> That's no. She does <laughs> this. This poor little beagle walks up. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but there but there is a to me an intent to be nice and not be naive about it is also having an understanding of you know, also having empathy for the world around you and having a better understanding of the world around you. And, you know, obviously Mrs. Park does not have that. So it, it just doesn't cost her anything. Or anything. There is no, there's no give and take to her mm-hmm. being nice or paying well or anything. It's just, it's what she does because she's rich, you know? And, and I don't know. I, I, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Right. And she's happy because she feels like she's doing her job well. She's looking right. after the household in terms of she's the one who hires the household staff. <laughs> Paying and, people to look after the household. Right. She's, she's the supervisor. 
you know, it's her job to supervise and to, you know, sign her kids up for Cub Scouts and language tutoring and various pursuits. That's, she feels like that's her job and to get the social calendar put together and arrange an impromptu garden party, an entirely inappropriate for a nine-year-old's birthday party kind of party (laughs) with a chef and a classical singer out on the back lawn. (laughs) Yeah, that party's not for that kid. No. Also, not not least of of the inappropriate things happening at that party before the murder, just the the aggressive lack of social understanding. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So, first of all, quick side jag. When when, uh, the daughter in the Kim family goes to – remind me of her name, Nicole – Hey, everybody. I mistakenly gave Brett the wrong name in our discussion coming up here. I told him Dahye was the name of the Kim daughter. Actually, Dahye is the daughter of the Rich Park family. The daughter from the poor Kim family is Kijong. So the character that we're talking about in the upcoming discussion is Kijong. And now back to our chat. Dahye. That when Dahye goes to um, their, the Parks family for the first time and... The little kid's just a normal little kid. He's shooting stuff around the house. He's making dumb paintings. Like, like nothing makes sense. And she's like, he is a hidden genius. Oh, and yeah. he is, and, and his deep psychological needs are telling us something with this scribble in the bottom right of this painting. And you can see it everywhere. And all of a sudden, Mrs. Park is like, oh my God. <laughs> and it's, and, and I immediately thought like, oh, it's not just white people. <laughs> because that no. is such a rich white person thing to like think that your child is uh, the voice of a generation that is going to create the next you know beautiful piece of art. Um, I grew up around so much of that in like middle class white suburbia. Uh, she's also manipulating her in like this is the schizophrenia corner, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, your child's incredibly damaged, so you're gonna have to pay me extra. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like you have to. I have to do this uh, four times a week, two hours every time, mm-hmm. and it's going to cost you a lot of money. And she's just like, "Of course." What are they doing for eight hours a week? It's ostensibly babysitting at that point, right? Like they're painting, yeah. they're hanging out, they're painting, they're hanging out, <laughs> they're doing some paintings. And but she's got control of this kid. That's the thing, you know. This kid's been spoiled. Yeah. His mom doesn't know how to handle him. Mm. Because he's clearly, you know, the, the the only son, but, you know, the favored son of the family. He's He gets whatever he wants. They go wherever he wants to go for his birthday, even though he's nine. Yeah, it's like, he wants to go camping, we'll go camping, you know. He thought he saw a ghost, so we're not going to make him go to school or go see a proper therapist or... Fair on the ghost thing, though. Well, yes. <laughs> as, as we later learn... That probably was pretty traumatizing. That would have been traumatizing <laughs> yeah. for me. I, that was terrible. I'm a firm believer that that you that you can't you, uh, you can't choose the setting in which you grow up, and you can't choose the parents you have. Mm. And and there are parts of this movie where I feel really bad for that kid. Yeah, uh, but there's lasting damage. Yeah, but I mean, Kijong, you know, as Jessica is so yeah. commanding. Yeah, she comes in. She's perfectly self-assured. You can see, you know, she like she goes off with him. She won't let the mom come, even though the mother went for Q's tutoring session, right? To supervise, she won't let her in the room with her and the kid to do their art therapy and assessment to see if she wants to take him on. 
Um, And when they come out, they go to the table and the kid is perfectly quiet and he bows to her before he leaves when the mom comes to sit down to discuss it with her. You know, she's got control of this kid from minute one and he needs that. This kid has needed some parental discipline for a long time, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, she's arguably the only person like producing a net positive for the family that wasn't there before. Because <laughs> the rest uh-huh. of them are just replacing better, more earnest versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I want to just call out, since we, we were mentioning her, just uh, Park Sodom, who plays uh, Jessica and and a uh, variety of other characters in the film. It, just <laughs> so good. She is so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to make sure, you know, highlight her. Absolutely. At some point in the discussion. She's incredible. And, and also the, the additional dehumanizing of the help of just like being like, you're Jessica now and you're Kevin. Like, <laughs> it's like, no, no, why? Uh, well, he calls her, he calls her Jessica. The brother does. Yeah, the brother as the tutor introduces her as Jessica, not yeah. with her Korean name. As Jessica. Right. Yeah. So there's a whole thing about like your your English name and I don't, I don't know. I th- I think it's a parallel. But they just choose Kevin for him. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. does. Just kind of random. Well, it sounds a little like his Korean name. Not tremendously, yeah. but a little bit. But I think it's like, you know, there was a time in the US where the richer families took pride in speaking French. Like that was a mm. a given that you would study you would learn French and be able to speak it fluently and you could read in French and that was what you did because you had the time to do it because you were rich. And that was yeah. the fashionable language of choice. And in Korea English is fashionable. Mm. And the mom is very proud of her limited English. Mm-hmm. And of course the father is fluent because he does business in America. Um, of course. And he uses his English name, Nathan, like in all the magazine articles. But Oh, yes. I, I did notice that. His, yeah. yeah. His wife introduces him as Dongique, but his, he goes by Nathan, like in the office. So right. it's a given that their kid's going to learn English. And the son goes to Cub Scouts and has fallen for, quote unquote, Native American culture. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's not what they call it in the movie, but yeah, yeah. And the, well, and the mother has no idea that it's not correct. That it's this culture, yeah. highly culturally appropriative thing that we've done in America to create these stereotypes. And she has fallen for all the stereotypes, and that's what they're paying attention to is these stereotype notions of what yeah. American life mm-hmm. is like. What what using English is like. You know, they're super impressed with Jessica because she went to university in Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) I know, University of Illinois. Yeah. Didn't even talk about Chicago that much. No, not very much, but but Illinois. Ooh. (laughs) I know. Fancy. I I, I love the scene where (laughs) you just let the nine-year-old decide to go camp in the rainstorm. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, is that, you know, is that tent going to leak? And they're like, no, we we, we bought it from from the U.S. Yeah, it's fine. Which I found very funny because to me, that's just like, oh, so you bought a tent from the U.S. that was surely manufactured in China. I don't know. It was a weird social mentality, though, right? Of like, oh, it was made in the U.S. It's it's built to last or something. I don't know. Wait, hold on. Are you saying there's social commentary in this movie? No. (laughs) 
No, okay, but I actually cool. do want to get back though because we talked about you know the more perceptive father in the household for the parks, but we didn't really talk about how the women are more perceptive in the poor family. I want to I want to dial back to that again because that certainly is what is shown to be the case both with the daughter and the mother in the Kim family. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the key scene that shows it with both of them is very close to the end. You know, as they're preparing for the birthday party, Ki Jung comes up to her mother in the kitchen and says, Hey, have you talked to them downstairs in the basement? And she said, No, you know, we. I think we should really see if we can reach an understanding and the mother says yes yes we all got very emotional last night we need now that things are calm we should go and talk it out and see if we can work something out here you know take this food down to them as a peace offering and so kijong almost makes it to the stairs and then the rich mom swoops in with her theatrical show that she's put together with jessica as the cake princess so mm-hmm. right well well yeah. meanwhile upstairs kevin's like i'm gonna go kill someone with this rock <laughs> <laughs> like at the same time approaching the situation in two very different ways poor, yeah, i know porky woo he feels so responsible and this is the only thing he can think of to fix the problem right that's what i'm saying it's going back to like he wants to do the right thing yeah but he doesn't really know what the right thing is and in oh this case God. he thinks it's murder when okay so first of all the second that rock got brought out at the very beginning the first time i saw this movie i'm like someone's gonna get hit with that rock <laughs> of course <laughs> when someone eventually gets hit with the rock he then gets double tapped with the rock oh, the guy picks the rock back up and just point blank camera it's, does not cut the guy's just like bam and just hits him again it's hard to watch yeah. it is it's hard brutal. to watch it's utterly yeah. brutal and like and we'll get to that because the whole last 20 minutes of this movie are is, is exceptionally brutal um, but I want to touch on a couple other things first. Uh, the light above the stairs on a second watch. You know, at this point, David, you now know, having seen it, that there is a man trying to communicate with Morse code downstairs. Not just that. He's also like, has this weird reverence and worship for the dad and like lights it up when he walks in every time. And like, respect. Yeah, respect. Yeah. And, like, the first time, you know, you watch, it's like, okay, you know, you, you maybe register lights are turning on as he walks up. But then, like, once you know he's doing that, watching it the second time, it's like, oh, dang, right. you see the yeah. lights turning on. Yeah. Yeah. The first time through, you can mistake it for a motion sensor. But the second time you're watching it, it's definitely flickering in particular patterns. And the only person he's messaging is the little kid. Right. Yeah. Right. Because the little kid's a Cub Scout. Don't you just love, though, that in this rich family's household, and the movie makes a point to really emphasize that like, this is just a household that they have acquired, right? Like, they did not build or design or care about this house. It was really the guy before them. Mm-hmm. But I just love the idea that this light just conveniently turns on every time he comes in, and, like, occasionally it flickers, it does weird stuff. Never question. No it. one at any, at no point was someone like, should we change that light bulb? <laughs> Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of wild. Kind of wild. It, it doesn't turn on for anyone else. It just yeah. turns on for him. Respect. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. When he yells out respect as he gets man hot dog kebobbed. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, yeah. So uh, let's actually talk about it now. So the twist. When, when the whole movie shifts and we find out that there is a family downstairs or, or, or at least a husband downstairs. The whole tone of the movie switches. Mm-hmm. 
I was very upset about this the first time. It's upsetting. Oh, really? Because the tone of the movie at first is, you know, it's described as a black comedy, mm-hmm. and you can understand how because they, you know, they are taking advantage of this rich family. But at you know, at least at that point, no one's getting hurt, right? Yeah, it's it's like a caper movie. Yeah, and it's it's impressive to watch as they blunder their way into bringing the entire family into the fold and then they have unique ways to, you know, get rid of each person. And then like, you're right. It it is this caper of getting everyone in the household. Mm -hmm. And then it takes a hard left turn because there's a dude the housekeeper's husband has been living in the basement for four years. Yeah. Cause you're thinking the movie's going to be like, okay, they're all in there. They're going to screw up somehow and they're going to get found out and you know, whatever's going to ensue. And then (laughs) There's a man in the basement. Mm-hmm. And nobody, you know, this family that that usually has contingencies for everything, suddenly nobody knows what to do. Yeah. Because because they haven't had to deal with people like them. Who could have imagined? Yeah. Honestly though, big miss letting the lady in the house. Like from the get-go, letting the ex housekeeper back into the house when she's looking a little crazy eyed and on the camera and clearly has recently been beat up. Yeah. Maybe don't let her in. Why? It's not a hundred percent clear. What has, what has happened to her? It looks kind of like she has a black eye. It looks kind of like she has a cold sore. Yeah. She's been beat. It up. looks kind of like she's right. been drinking. Right. And they just let her in. <laughs> like, I, I never understood that part of this movie, but well, I guess you got to find out somehow the dude's downstairs. Yeah. So, yes. Uh, so the whole movie switches, and, and it ends up being this brutal bloodbath at this ch- children's birthday party, which is just tough to watch. Really, really tough to watch. And then Mr. Kim gets away. And now he, here's the other thing that I, I have trouble suspending disbelief on, is there's literal news reports where the anchor is saying, Mr. Kim disappeared into thin air. And his son's scratching his head like, I wonder where he could be. In the secret basement? Like, well, the, the place that would be most obviously disappear to? I mean, you know, it's it's not a it's not a long-term solution. Right. To hanging out out there. You know, the dad's pretty uh, he is a, in a in a, a touch res- well, I don't know, he's not actually that resourceful. Wily. And I think that's why. He's wily. Yeah. So it's like he's probably out somewhere, you know, hiding in an alleyway. You're not going to think he's going to go lock himself in ground zero of all their troubles. He's not that stupid, right? Turns out he is. With the dead body. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that he kept for a while until they moved out. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He would have had to leave her in there with him until the family had moved out. Yeah, I love the final letter where he's like, you know, I I hear like being buried next to a tree is in vogue. So I really, I hell, I tried my best, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good on. I don't know what else he could have done, but good on him for giving her a proper burial. Anyway, at the very least, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I, and I want to talk about that 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 final but, scene, and and I know Pong Jun Ho has given his take on it as well because you know can we can we back up a, just a hair for a second? Yeah, because yes, there's the explosion of violence at the end, but there's this burst of violence in the middle where the two poor families are kind of going toe to toe, mm, yes, yes, and yes. the power shifts back and forth from one to the other. Mm-hmm. You know, first the the Kim's mom, uh, Chung Suk, is going to co- threatens to call the police 
on the old housekeeper because she's got her husband in the basement. And oh my goodness, you know, that's fraud and it's terrible and they've been stealing and whatever crimes it might be. And then the whole family falls down the stairs and <laughs> the previous housekeeper, Moonguang, gets video of it and gets video of Ki Woo yelling dad to the driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then they have you know, the upper hand. And so, you know, they're upstairs and you get this, these weird flashbacks where like the Moonguang and her husband, um, Odesu, I think. Yeah. Are, you know, she's giving her husband a massage in the living room and they're reminiscing about the days when right after the architect moved out where they acted like it was their house and, they really appreciate the art and they the Kim family are Neanderthals and they don't they couldn't possibly understand and yeah the right. Moonguang imitates a North Korean news anchor <laughs> mm -hmm. for a while and apparently you know according to the um to the commentary I listened to she is dead on in how North Korean news anchors talk about Kim Jong-il, or Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un Jong at, at the time is what okay. they use in the movie. So, how she is, like, dead on in the way they praise it and the way they talk down the enemies of the state. Um, yeah. And that kind of thing, even getting the accent correct. Uh, but then, you know, the Kim family gets the upper hand again because somebody jumps in and attacks and they manage to erase the videos off the phone. And they managed to get the them downstairs and tied up, and Moon Guang almost makes it back up the stairs, and then Chung Sook like boots her in the chest back down the stairs again, and unfortunately she cracks her head. Oh, oh, oh! And it's Hate just that part. Hate it's that a brutal part. bit of sound design there. You hear that mm -hmm. head hitting the stone. Yeah, because this movie doesn't have a lot of music, you know. So the sound design is especially impactful. There's there's some, but but there's not a ton. Yeah, well, this the sound's important because you need to be able to hear the contrast yeah. between the noisy, poor neighborhood and the very quiet, wealthy neighborhood. Right. Where was I going with this? I don't know. Oh, it's, I wanted to point out. It's, it's, it's a 20-minute segment of holding <laughs> yes. your breath. It really yeah, is. Because that yeah. dinner oh, yeah. where they're eating and drinking in the living room, where the Kims are eating and drinking in the living room and the rain starts, it goes on. And on and on and the whole time you're thinking they're going to be discovered. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Something's going to go wrong here. Yeah, I mean, it's raining and they went camping. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't occur to yeah. anybody because they've been drinking. It doesn't occur to them that it's been raining and the Park family went camping and maybe they won't want to <laughs> stay out in the rain in a tent. So. Yeah, yeah. South Korea is not that big. Honestly, <laughs> if it's raining here, it's probably raining. There. I'm shocked they made it to a tent to begin with. <laughs> yeah, well, they left you know middle of the day. I mean, part of the point of the the whole going back and forth between them, you know, the housekeeper and husband and the Kim family is that most of the violence, you know, there's a, a, a greater volume of violence in this movie is poor people versus poor people. Mm -hmm. to get what's yeah. left over of the resources of the rich. And it's not until the end that the the poor rise up 
to uh, mm. take their revenge, kind, kind of. Kind of, right? Like, I mean, he, he gets his revenge, but like, look where it gets him, you know? Yeah. It's not a like, ah, yes, you must rise up. Right. Right, and this movie doesn't give you that, you know? And that, that's what I wanted to talk about with the final scene, is that, you know, Pong Joon-ho makes, makes a very deliberate decision to give you the morbid, sad ending. You know, the, the not good, but real ending, which is that you get this fairy tale of, you know, uh, of the son, you know, going off to college and getting a family and having enough money to buy the home. And someday he'll be able to buy the home and the father can come upstairs and they can embrace again in the in the green, you know, backyard in the sunlight. And, and you know, he could end the movie there. Right. And we could all say, yeah, of course, that's not happening. But no. Pong Jun ho decides to like remind you like no he's back in the basement he is back in the basement and we all know he's never going to buy that house and that's verbatim that's what Pong Jun ho said about that scene was that we all know that that's never going to happen this is his lot in life and i felt i needed to show that and it's it's such a dagger at the end of the movie on the director's behalf to to do it that way and there's <laughs> There's, it's hard to find hope in this movie, is, is what I'm getting at. And, and maybe, you know, I mean, it's a movie called Parasite. But it, it, it's very hard, right? Because hope leads people to awful places in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he is telling a very, you know, it's obviously a bit, I mean, it's dramatized. That's the word I'm looking for. It's dramatized. Um, but it's still like, he's still talking to very real issues. You know, I, I think back on our discussion uh, last, where, you know, the last time we recorded with uh, Get Out, where there was the whole other ending to Get Out. And Jordan Peele was like, oh, man, I can't end this on this kind of downer. Here's an ending where he gets away. <laughs> yeah. And this is not that. Right. No, no, the family does not get away. And I actually, I always found it interesting that they, that the son lives and, and the daughter dies because you wouldn't think that'd be the case, especially when he gets, you know, nailed in the head with a rock. But, but yeah, I thought he was done for. Oh my God. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's something even more brutal about the fact that I don't know. The people in the family that had it a little bit more together are, are I mean, at least the at least in regard to the daughter, don't make it out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's brutal, and and there is an element of like you know this was all fun and games until it wasn't right. Like we were just pulling the wool over their eyes until we couldn't anymore, and until it went right. dark. So I mean, this movie is our second best original screenplay winner in a row. Get out, mm-hmm. obviously, as David just mentioned, being the last one. Very well earned. And I would I would argue, we've talked several times about how it's not just the way it's written in this movie, even though it is a very sharply written film, but also how well the actors carry themselves and what they don't say and the way that, you know, Mr. Kim expresses himself. And and it's just, it's a really tight script. For a movie that's over two hours long, you don't feel it. No, no, it's constant motion. Uh, Bong Joon-ho said he was actually inspired in terms of the, the editing and the camera motion in this film. He was inspired by Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I could see and that. And George Miller's constant sense of motion. You know, the camera in this movie, the camera very rarely stays still. There's mm-hmm. a, there's almost yeah. always some kind of tracking going on or walking along with a character. Uh it's like one handheld or one dolly camera. It's all it's just one camera. It doesn't cut back and forth a whole lot between characters. Unless you're getting nailed in the head with a rock, and then the camera stays very oh, still. Oh, gosh. 
let you see all of it. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And actually, that observation brings up my favorite scene in the film in regard to the way it's shot is just the blood red scene of like, oh my God, what have we done? As the family escapes the house after finding the other family in the basement and they're rushing through the streets. This is before they know their home is being flooded. Oh, during the downpour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're rushing through the downpour through these, you know, streets in Seoul and um, down and down and down and down. It's just red and they keep going down but it's red it's so vibrant and i'd actually be very interested to see the black and white cut just to see how they do that scene because god that scene is just vivid and 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 harrowing Mm -hmm. yeah they're very intentional we talked about color but they're very intentional with red uh red is highly associated with uh, violence i would say in this movie i mean i know there's the whole tuberculosis scene you know it's very striking and stuff there but Mm -hmm. in general you know it's it's and obviously red is a, an eye-catching color, but it's only really used in this film in those scenes where it's like, they really want you on the edge of your seat paying attention there. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I, I will admit, this is totally unrelated, but as I look on the opposite screen and see the poster for this movie, for the longest time, every single time I saw the poster for this movie, I was like, why is the Google Chrome logo in the middle of it? Because that's what the beach ball looks like. I don't know why. It's always bothered me. If you look at it from a distance, it really looks like the Chrome logo. Uh, I don't know what to tell <laughs> But it is a great poster. Uh, all the CGI in this movie that's hidden. Uh, Nicole, fill us in. There's around 990 shots in this movie, and somewhere Whoa, between four to 500 are CGI. What? What is CGI'd? Or there's CGI enhancement. Really? Most of it is hidden. Um, oh, okay. The entire top half of the rich oh, house yes, yes, is CGI. Yeah. At least the, the exterior is CGI. Mm-hmm. The color of the grass okay. outside is CGI. They had it all nice and green. They had like planted it and watered it and it was beautiful. And then when they were shooting the garden party scene, there's like 300 film crew walking across that lawn for a day and a half. And they're like, oh, yeah. it looked like a school athletic field at the end of the season kind of thing. So they had to green that yeah. with CGI. Uh, the interiors are sets. Mm-hmm. And anything where there's an upstairs and a downstairs going, the, the f- two floors are visually connected via CGI. Going down into the sub-basement, it connects each Hmm. section of uh, the stairways down by CGI. So there's all these little hidden things. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, The central scene, especially, where they're having that... The family is talking and drinking in the living room. Um, They digitally stitch together different takes from the different actors... And stuck them together, like the the mother's fifth take, and the father's third take, and the son's second take. They just took the best takes really? from each actor and digitally stitched them together into the same scene. That's going to become more common, I think, as time goes on. Yeah, and there was a lot of use of digital for editing. Yeah. Um, like, there's a scene where... Uh, the son and the father are taking the housekeeper and her husband back downstairs as the Park family's coming home. And you see them, like the the Kim mom is filling up a pot of water to make the food for the little boy who's not going to eat it. 
as she as she's filling the pot that's in sharp focus and in the background you see the son carrying the housekeeper downstairs and the father carrying her husband downstairs and they come close enough together that they're in the same shot at one point and that's not actually how it happened you know mm-hmm. there was a longer time window between those two events and he was able to shorten it using computer graphics you know parts of the city are computer graphics the whole they made the the set for the poor neighborhood look like it was connected to the rest of the city when it was filmed in a 160 foot long pool uh so they're very clever that's the first time i've ever heard of a set being built at the bottom of a pool but apparently it was so um, yeah and this is all on a 15 million dollar budget that is insane. Yeah, well, it's it's all on like one set, <laughs> you know. Yeah, primarily. In there's house. there's a reason that a lot of American films send both their animation and their CG out to Korea to get done. They can do it for a lot cheaper. Yes, <laughs> and really well. Still, though, I mean, my my goodness, and you know, box office of two hundred and sixty three million. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Uh. Stairs. I mean, do we want to talk about them anymore? You go up, you go down. It's the upper class. It's the lower class. It's a central uh, device in this film. <laughs> it's all I got. Well, and there's sort of inherent danger and tension in a staircase. You know, it takes some yeah. effort to go up the stairs, and it's easy to go down the stairs, and it's easy to hurt yourself going down the stairs if you slip. Yeah. Especially if that last step is like 16 inches high, like the stairs into the sub-basement. <laughs> or, right. sorry, the bunker in case right, no kidding. in case North Korea attacks or creditors break or in. The, or the creditors come, <laughs> yep. Or creditors break in, right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, uh, David, Parasite, do you, do you have any final thoughts on your future, or not, not future <laughs> classics? Do you think it's a future classic? You can answer that as well, even though this is around the world. Yeah, I do. Well, Said it before, I'll say it again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nicole, any final Parasite thoughts? I was worried watching this again. I saw it in the theater twice. And watching it again on video this past week, I was worried that it wasn't going to have the same sort of impact, that it wasn't going to, that it was going to seem slow, that it wasn't going to hold my attention as well. But it is, it is still gripping. And it is paced, just moves right along. You know, it's very propulsive. You don't feel the time at all when you're watching it. So, highly recommend. You know, it's like you said, it's so tightly written, and it's so incredibly well acted. Absolutely amazing. And I mean, I, you know, genuflect at the altar of Song Kang Ho anyway, but he's just amazing in this movie, and he deserves all the awards and I really wish they would give him some. So anyway. <laughs> yes. Yes. 100%. All right. Well, my, my final note on this was that if you watch this translated, which is the only way to watch it, if you don't, uh, if you don't speak, you know, Korean, <laughs> the, the food dish that um, Mrs. Kim is so hastily preparing as they're arriving home from camping, that is called Ramdan in the English subtitles actually has an entirely different name in 
Korean, and it's actually a mashup dish of two different types of instant noodles yeah. made by the same company, which I'm not... Ramen and udon. Yeah, right. right. And, and, and But in particular, there are two very specific noodles made by a specific company, uh. Nongshim, that people mix together in Korea to create this. But the reason they called it Ramdun in the movie was, to your point, show you that it's Ramdun and Udon. <laughs> so, but that's not oh, actually okay. what it's called. So, um, fun little fun fact there at the end. I, I, I love this movie, though. Again, um, every once in a while, you have a really busy week, and you co-host a movie podcast, and it's a pain in the ass to watch a two-hour movie. I've been there a couple times, and this is a very busy week, and I co-host a movie podcast, and it wasn't a pain in the ass because I made time for this movie because it is so gripping and enthralling the whole way through. I would highly, highly recommend purchasing this movie, and I need to get the Criterion Cup by the sounds of it. So that sounds like it's pretty rad. So uh, Parasite, we have now done it. We probably could have done it in two categories, but you know where we stand on future classics. A reminder that next week is you did this to us. Look in the show notes to see what we are watching. But let's go around the horn one time quick to see where we can find everybody online. Nicole, what about you? I have a Letterboxd account, Nicole underscore Davis. Very good. And what about you, David? You can find me, Davluz, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can find the show. Just search Movie Go Around on Facebook or on Twitter. We'd love to find you there. That way you can keep up to date on You Did This to Us voting so you get an opportunity. Finally, if you'd like to email us, hi, H-I, at MGRpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. We will see you next week with You Did This to Us. Mm-hmm.